Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, November 24th, 2021, and this is episode 186. I hope everyone is ready for this one because it's a massive interview. I am truly honored to have house music songsmith Roland Clark on for episode 186. I had such a great time chatting with Roland and getting his full story in this one. Such a great conversation throughout, and of course, we started by talking about his early inspirations and influences. Roland was raised on the East Coast and called New York, New Jersey home for many years. Instead of going to prom one year, he snuck into Club Zanzibar in Newark and had his first real house music experience. He was heavily influenced by the lyrical tracks he heard the DJ play and was instantly hooked. Eventually, he started working at a record label and learned the ins and outs of the industry until he eventually gave music a shot and he hasn't looked back since. I had so much fun running through the Roland Clark discography. His influence on house music is truly profound and his dense collection of music goes back more than 20 years. His voice and productions can be heard on timeless tracks like I Get Deep with DJ Leroy, Planet Rock with Powers That Be on Defected Records, and Teed's Church with Todd Terry on in-house records. Not to mention some massive collaborations like Free with Vintage Culture and Fancy Inc., Obey with Duke Dumont, and most recently Alive with Jack Back aka David Guetta and Fancy Inc. on Sink or Swim. Man, there were some great stories in this portion of the interview. We also had a great conversation on the past, present, and future of house music. Roland has a unique view on the dance music industry for many reasons. He understands the business end has continually adapted to the ever-changing landscape of what it takes to make it as an artist. Roland stated, Because of how the internet has affected how we share music, it has now become more of a delivery system instead of an old-school business. Lots of great talking points here as well. Roland is an extremely humble guy and he had me laughing the entire interview. It is wild to chat with someone in real life whose voice you've heard so many times. He is the real deal, and he has so much exciting stuff on the way. Roland, thank you so much for making time to come on the show, and I can't wait to meet you in person one day soon. Let's get into it right now so you can hear a story for yourselves. This is episode 186 with Roland Clark. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm here with the legend known as house music songsmith producer dj and vocalist all in one roland clark what is up my man thank you for coming on the show i'm good i'm good i'm good and thank you for inviting me on to the show of course of course i know uh now that people have heard you spoke they might have heard your voice over the past uh 20 or so years and uh, i gotta tell you on just a personal note huge fan been a fan for a long time um i had friends show me um, some of your tracks, maybe seven, eight years ago. Um, and I just mm-hmm. was hooked, hooked on your sound, hooked on your voice. And it's just been a pleasure watching you really take it to the next level this past couple of years. So like I said, it's an honor to have yeah. you on the show. Well, you're the one. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been trying to grow. I mean, I started off doing like soulful house because, you know, that's what us blacks, we lose into that. <laughs> and, um, 
it's 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 still a part of me. Like it's the only genre of music I know that I can show anybody, no matter what genre of music they like, and they they feel it. Mm-hmm. There's something about Soulful House. It's a it's definitely a feeling. And um yeah. And then you know, I just I knew I wasn't monolithic, so I was like, I'll try this and I'll try this and I'll try that. And I pretty much almost tried everything. I, I even did EDM with Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike, which I thought was, somebody said, that's a career killer. I was like, really? Because we got 20 million streams. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kill me. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's true. You've had a lot of you aliases over the years. Career. That's true. That's true. Well, I had early aliases early in my career because um, I was kind of embarrassed about doing music really because i was just just, yeah i wasn't it was just something i was trying out actually because um all my friends were doing it and um todd cherry was like you should start using your name man and i was like really he goes yeah so i think my first alias was urban soul Mm -hmm. Uh, we did all right that was our christmas cool tempo and uh, my second alias was south street player Mm -hmm. who keeps changing your mind which is a, a huge uk record I found out, and um, I used a few of them. Urban Babies, Jesus Jackson. That's the R&B record I did with Fatboy Slim that ended up on Grey's Anatomy for a long time. Yeah, I saw that. So, um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was weird how that happened. I kind of was just at his house, <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of raining. It was it was just a weird situation, and um, the way his house set up, he has basically two homes next to each other. And he was like, let's do something while you're here. And I was like, yeah, why not? He goes, I don't want to do house though. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, he did this track with an S950 sampler, floppy disk. He was just flopping them in and out. And I was like, yo, like I haven't seen one of those since like the early nineties. Yeah. And that's what he uses. Wow. So I played the bass line on the bass and he was trying to produce my vocal. I remember looking at him going, yeah, I don't, I don't need you for that. Like this, so I asked him an engineer, just can you step out of the room? <laughs> so I wrote the song. Yeah. It took like an hour to write the song. I sang it. They came back in and tweaked it and the rest is history. Yeah, Running on Sunshine was the name of the record. That's crazy. And that wasn't the only time you've released music with him though, right? No, the first time he reached out to me, um, he goes, hey, I sampled this this vocal you got called I Get Deep. Yeah. And it's coming out next week. I was like, wait a minute, we're skipping a whole section. He goes, yeah, how much do you want? And I was like, oh, like this could change my life. I could have said $100,000 or 50,000 bucks because the record was coming out. Right. So I, I said, no, don't do that. Like that's that's not cool. So I, I, a regular license fee or whatever. Yeah. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. And um, from, from it was called Song for Shelter. And he made yeah. two tracks out of it. And the other one was called What the Fuck. Yeah. Which made it two licenses, of course. And yeah, that's, that was the first time. And we, the first time we met was on my birthday, um, November 7th, at the Virgin Records Mega Store in Manhattan on, on 14th Street. Yeah. Damn. First time we met. I re- I remember you kissed me on the cheek and I was like, hey, what are you doing? You know, and I was like, oh, it must be a European thing. Was like, All right. <laughs> Last time, buddy. 
Yeah, it's it's just so cool. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll of course get into the tracks like I get deep, um, but it really is cool. Like, I mean, you Dark Clark on their digital pimps, like you mentioned, all these different monikers and so you finally became. Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah, I, I I tiptoe the line of stalker and researcher, so I I, I looked into all of it, man. It's, I need to use those again. Those sounded really cool. Digital pimp, dude. I thought dude. digital pimps was dope. I was look. I was like, these got to have more there. That's a sick name. I was like, I gotta use that again. Wait a minute, I forgot <laughs> all about that guy. <laughs> Write it down. I was mad creative back then. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I think you still got it. <laughs> all right. You still got it rolling, but I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's truly like incredible to see, like I said, long journey for you in music. Um, I, I personally know um, just from looking at your entire discography and everything, you've had a ton of different influences and growing up where, you know, you told me about before we went live um, was mm -hmm. obviously hugely influential on you, New Jersey. I, if I say club Zanzibar, what comes to mind? Oh man, Jesus. My junior year in high school. Yep. No, it was my senior year in high school. I didn't go to my prom. Mm -hmm. the, no, no, I'm lying. It's my junior year in high school. I didn't go to the prom because the girl told me that her friend said that <laughs> I was ugly and that she shouldn't go. Holy shit. Cold bitch. That's, Celeste Tisdale. That's her name. Celeste no, Tisdale. Celeste Where are you at? Celeste, no, no. Celeste Dixon. <laughs> so I was like, okay, whatever. So I was just like, fuck it. So I didn't go, like I was dressed and I had to make my mother think I was going to the prom, but I just didn't go. I got on the bus and went downtown. I'm tall. So I said, I'm gonna go to this club everybody's talking about, Zanzibar. Right. So I stood in line and they let me in because I look old enough. Yeah. And this is one of those clubs where you aspire to go to when you get out of high school. So I went back to high school that Monday and I was like, they said, where, where were you? You didn't come to the prom. So I was at Zanzibar. And they're like, you're lying. You didn't go to Zanzibar. I had to like, like, yeah, I did. It looked like this has got this. And I was explaining to them how the dancers dance. I was like, people were dancing by themselves. And some guys didn't have on search and they were sweating. And they were like, you didn't go. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, whatever. I went. Yeah. So yeah, Zanzibar is like one of the first experiences I had. And when it comes to, to music, it's one of the first experiences I had when I heard lyrics mm -hmm. that told stories. And it kind of shaped the way I write songs. Like listening to Jocelyn Brown and Lolita Holloway and Sylvester and that whole era of songwriters made me go, oh, wow, you, you, could, you could do that, you know? Wow. You can could, could tell somebody what happened to you in the song, you know? What yeah, year was that, do you remember? It's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know long, long time ago. <laughs> A long, long time ago. There was a DJ playing, though, right? My first DJ I ever saw was Tippy Torales. He was the opening DJ for uh, Tony Humphrey. Wow. And, you know, you could only see the top of their heads. So I just remember seeing a Puerto Rican guy. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know who he was. But years later, I was like, did he play a Zanzibar hippie? He goes, yeah. I was like, you're my first DJ I ever saw. Wow. And then, of course, the great Tony Humphreys. And he just, he was incredible, dude. Like, he was that DJ, you can bring them a reel, a reel to reel, not mm -hmm. a dat or a reel. And you go, hey, can you play my record? He goes, sure. He won't even listen to it. He just plays it. If it sucked, you'll never get another record played in that club again. If it was great, 
he played it three times that night. He was one of the only DJs I know who played records two or three times a night. The same song. Yeah. Unless you, it was, it was more like his way of saying, this is a, this is a hot record and you need to go out and buy it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the days of the, the physical component, right? I mean, like, like I said, I'm in Chicago. I have a, a deep appreciation for the role that Chicago played, especially, you know, the, the late eighties and then early nineties, Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, Chip E, Farley, Jack Master. Mm. Those are the guys they, they would play records three, four times in one night. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that again. This, like, look, you should pay attention to this one. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> got to, you know, so what, what actually like drove you to want to start getting involved in music? Was it the DJ? Was it the music itself? Or do you remember that moment? It was weird. Like I was out of college and mm -hmm. um, I called my friend and said, what are you guys doing? They said, oh, we work at this recording studio in Manhattan called Calliope. I was like, really? What do you do? And they go, nothing. And I was like, no, like, what do you do? Like during the day, it was like, nothing. I was like, all right, I'll just come up. Yeah. So I went up there. One of the guys were in a, uh, we call it the programming room. And he was just playing keyboards and messing with buttons and stuff. And I was like, all right. And the, my other friend was answering the phones. I was like, so that's what you guys do here? And it was like, yeah. I said, so when you get off work? It was like, we live here now. Like, it was 4,000 square feet. And wherever you slept is where you slept. It was just, and I was like, can I, can I come? And they were like, yeah. Wow. But the people that was recording in that studio were people were like, audio too. Um, salt and pepper, um, Levert, like the guy I this was on the phone with, Calvin, mm -hmm. he did the beat for Milk is Chillin'. Boom, 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 back a doom, boom, boom, back a doom, doom. Milk is chilling. Yeah. That was him. He did that beat. Holy shit. So, yeah. So I kind of moved in and just did what they did. If you needed some money, because we didn't get paid. Right. It was the honor system. It was a big box full of cash that we knew were in. If you needed money, you just take some money out and you go do what you want to do. And that was it. Wow. So that was cool for a while. Right. And then this old black guy used to come to the studio a lot with his groups. His name was Big Scott. And he goes, now, why are you boys? He was very pro-black. <laughs> he goes, why are you boys working for this white man? And we was like, <laughs> we're not working. We're just having fun. He goes, well, why don't you get real jobs? He was like, well, this is a real job. He goes, do you get paid? We were like, not really. He said, well, come work for me. I like you boys. I'm just watching. Come to my office. I'm going to mm -hmm. give you real jobs. We went to his office and my friend, Philip Damien, Michael Moog, AKA Michael Moog, Calvin, the guy you just saw, mm -hmm. and Seven Fisher. You know Seven Fisher? I don't think so. The DJ Seven Fisher. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I hear you now. We all grew up together and he brought us to his office and it was a real office. And my friend, Michael Moog, uh, AKA Philip Damien, I got to say that. Um, he goes, who are these guys, this group, this picture, these little five white kids. Oh, these boys are clear fucking arm in the leg. I'm about to drop them. <laughs> he goes, are they signed to a label? Yeah, they're on Columbia. He's like, oh, he said, well, you shouldn't drop them. Like, like they're cute. So Philip got involved with switching that group over from the urban department to the pop department. Okay. And it was New Kids on the Block. That was the group. 
Holy shit. He was going to drop them until my, that guy, Calvin, I just spoke to, his brother convinced them not to. Wow. So from there, we were like his golden kids. Like, whatever these boys want. Yeah. I was one of the, I was one of the tour managers. And um, me and Seven Fisher, sometimes we would just work in the office. Work for us was like we came in around 1 p.m., <laughs> made long-distance phone calls. It wasn't work, in other words. Yeah. So I was the mailboy at one point. And as the mailboy, I didn't deliver mail. You had to come to my office and your mail would be sitting there. And I'm like, all right, it's right there. <laughs> it was an easy job. Yeah. All right. So five years later, the kids broke up and I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to get a real job. Like, right. this was like fun, but now I'm getting older. And so I called my friend Merlin Bob and Merlin, his last job was he was the senior executive vice president over at uh, Electra Records. Okay. And at the time he was at Atlantic Records. He was head of AM, Urban A&R. Uh, yeah, Urban A&R. Urban Music. He was A&R of Urban Music head. So I said, hey, Merlin, man, can you give me a job? He goes, no. Like, <laughs> no. He just went, no. And I was like, oh, okay. He goes, but I got a friend who needs a record. And he started a little label called Polar Records. If you can come up with something for his label, I can get you paid. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, sure. So I went to the studio and just kind of bullshitted around a track. I called my friend Sable Jeffries, God rest her soul. Mm -hmm. And um, started working on this track called All Right. And she came and knocked out the chorus. They went, all right, which basically set up the whole freaking song. And I went, I think I got a hit. So I took it back to those guys and he was like, they signed it. But before they even put the record out, Chris's cool tipple heard the song and they just mm -hmm. picked it up. They wow. just took the record over. <clears throat> I think that was like top 40 UK charts or something like that. Unreal. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I kind of like stumbled into it and yeah. then started writing and producing, writing and producing. And got jealous that the DJs were making all the money. I was like, wait a minute. Like, my best friend is Todd Terry. I'm like, how'd you get season tickets for the Yankees? And where'd that Bentley Coop come from? And why is your house so big? I'm like, <laughs> okay, I think, I think I need to be a DJ. So I started DJing eventually. And um, yeah, I just kind of stumbled into this. It wasn't a grand plan for me to be in the music industry. It was just one of those things that you just, Put it this way, if you hang out with plumbers, eventually you're gonna learn how to fix the pipes. So that's how I, I kind of got into it. Like I didn't even know how to sing at all until I met the Burrell brothers, you know, from New Groove Records. Like Reggie taught me how to sing. Wow. And I was like, he was like, yeah, he just taught me. I was like, how do you do that? He said, well, it's a muscle. You gotta do it every day so that the muscle can get stronger so you can control it. He said, but the problem is you literally have to do it every day, no matter how bad you sound. Mm -hmm. So I'm singing everywhere. People are like, shut the fuck up. Like, you sound <laughs> terrible. And I'm like, well, I'm supposed to sing all day. So I got this little eight-track tape recorder, and I would record myself. Mm -hmm. And if I heard a bad note, I record myself again to fix the note. It's, just, it's definitely a process that um, hopefully I perfected it, kind of. Yeah. But um, yeah, I kind of stumbled into it. Wow. That's that's yeah. pretty incredible though. And you stumbled into it with, I mean, at least a decent understanding of the back end of the business, right? That probably made a little bit of a difference in figuring things oh, out. Oh, it made a whole big like knowing Dick Scott, he taught us all about copyright law. Which yeah. Is astounding how many people don't know anything about it. And that's about people who should know. 
Yeah. Don't know anything about how splits are done. Mm-hmm. They don't know the difference between mechanical royalties, between, they just, they have no idea how the actual business of music works. Yeah. And um, that's yeah. what I learned first. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned that first. And labels hate me because I always show them how much I know. Like, <laughs> they take you actually the look at the contract. <laughs> I look at it. Yeah. They go, and I hate when they say stuff like, oh, it's standard. I was like, oh, Jesus, don't say that word. <laughs> standard, really? <laughs> All right, goodbye. Are they still pulling the same shit as they used to then? Like, how much has really changed? It's almost what they don't put in the contract that, that hurts them. Mm. Um, they don't put sync rights in the contract. Mm. They put very little in the contract, so it leaves a lot of things open to interpretation. So mm. I noticed that the contracts aren't thick anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't cover all the grounds. Sometimes the contract is just two pages, and I'm like, you sure about this? Okay. You know. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, so, yeah. It's, it's what they don't say that hurts them. They don't yeah. say smart. I know because I... they they limit them. This is what happens. They because it's house music. They limit themselves into thinking that it's only going to stay in this box. Right. It's only going to go from the DJ to the dance floor mm-hmm. and maybe some mix shows. Right. I look at it like no, this can go to a movie. Yeah. This can go to a TV commercial. Right. You know this. It can go anywhere. So I don't look at it like it's just house music. I look at it like it's music. Hmm. So. Yeah, they, they limit themselves when they start throwing tracks. Do you own the rights yeah. to all of your original vocals? And how, how have you done no. that? So? No, but I could probably get them back. Because at the end of the day, I mean, like I said, they don't, no one's going to fight you on things like that. You know right. what I mean? Like, like I'm going to go back. And it was like, only thing they can do is say no. And it's like, okay, well, I'll just take it. And I'll do something else with it. What are you going to do? Right. $10,000 on a lawyer to re- to retain a right that you probably don't like who's going to do that like i'm going to spend all this money to keep your vocals like, yeah not gonna do that. and that's kind of that's the modern day electronic music world too i mean if you look at the beatport top 10 how many songs are sampling you know 2000s 2010s pop right it seems like there's no rules anymore rolling I, I don't know i don't know are they buying the rights it's only rules when it's the rules only apply when something is making a lot of money yeah. And then, oh, people find the rules. Like, oh, oh, you guys did 20 million streams? Wait a minute. All right, I got to get a lawyer. You know, yep. if you only stream 2,000, who cares? You yeah. know? <laughs> right. I used to pray for somebody big to, to sample my record. Like, please, somebody steal my song and blow <laughs> it up. Yeah. So I can go get a lawyer and just get rich for no reason, you know? <laughs> so. Jeez. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty crazy. It almost happened with Katy Perry. I think Duke Dumont, he was a week away from dropping that record. And they, they hit me a week before the record came out with Katy Perry when they did. They sampled I Get Deep. Yeah, you know, they on Swish Swish, Swish, right? Swish Swish, yeah. And a week later, the record dropped. I was like, almost. So and I close. wasn't going to open the email. I was about to just ignore the email because I didn't know who that person was. I was like, ah, you know. Thank God I opened it. Yeah. I yep. mean, that that is that is just goes to show like the impact though that that you've made on all different types of music <laughs> throughout the years. I mean, you broke out into the scene, like we said before, with some of your different monikers, but as Roland Clark, at least from what I could find, and 
I got to tell you, it was kind of hard finding some of the old shit of yours, man. You know, I see uh, Y and RURU and All Right as Urban Soul. Then you went to release on different tracks like Change My Mind, another South Street player, right? And then mm -hmm. the Fat Boy Slims came. And then really, from what I saw, first big breakout was Flowers with Armin Van Held in 1999. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Armin. I forgot about that. Let's check out this instant classic. It's called Flowers by Armand Van Helden and Roland Clark. Collaborating, like, how, what was the collaboration process like in 1999? I met Armin's son and his ex-girlfriend before I met him. What? So, <laughs> crazy story. Yeah. His ex-girlfriend, who was super hot, they'll say, undeadly. <laughs> you ever see somebody in the club all the time and you go, oh, she's really hot, but she's never going to talk to me. Yeah. Well, I'm at the bar and my best friend's sitting right there and she's talking to him like they're friends yeah and he goes hey you know Roland right and I was like no I don't want to meet her <laughs> anyway she tried to be super nice yeah we lived down the street from this place called Sound Factory Sound Factory Bar yeah we Vega played every Wednesday right I lived one block away oh that's a legendary place so, yeah I could see the club from my window so look out the window wow and um she would always come by the house to hang out with me and she would bring little Armani her son and she would go, hey, would you, could you watch him really quick while I go to the store? I'm like, sure. So we would watch Batman. I remember that was his favorite thing. We watch a Batman, not even a DVD, like a, a VHS. Mm -hmm. And she goes, do you know my ex-boyfriend? I was like, no, nah, I don't I don't think I know him. She goes, which I'm not in hell. I was like, nope, never heard of him. And I didn't. And then like a year later, I kind of heard, oh, that's the guy. 
like I knew her. We would hang out all the time. Right. And then when I finally met him, I guess he was he kind of knew who I was a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend moved away from downstairs, and he told Armand about the loft downstairs, literally under me. And Armand was on the ninth floor. I'm on the tenth floor. And I think he knocked on my door one day with like a, a cassette. And he goes, hey, can you write to this track? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I just kind of threw it on the desk and let it sit there for three months. I just ignored it because I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And one day he called me and said, hey, did you start in the track? I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot about you guys. So I listened to it and was like, oh, this is easy. So I did Flowers in like an hour and a half. <laughs> and kind of like, it was just uneventful. I was like, here you go. And just handed it back to him. The only thing I hate about that record is he didn't mix it. He just put it out the way I gave it to him. I was like, dude, this sounds terrible. Like, I hated that song. <laughs> For years, I hated that song. I wouldn't play my record. So um, five years later, I, I played it. I was like, let's see what happens. Ugh. And people was like, oh, flowers. I was like, okay, if you like it. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what's going to work. Never know, dude. That record was not my finest. But um, who knew? I mean... It's, it's interesting to look back on now, considering where both of you ended up now is, in my eyes, house music legends. I mean, he's still, you well, know, very successful. He, he was kind of up there. I actually didn't know who was who back then. Like, you could tell me who you are. And I'm like, okay. Because I was still <laughs> trying to ride the fine line of R&B and hanging out with major record label execs. I was trying to get into that world. Right. Not knowing that my house music career was bubbling over here. Right. Somebody would always go, hey, man, I like that record you did. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Bye. You know, <laughs> and just try to go that way. Right. And then like when I'm South Street Player, for example, mm-hmm. I used to get jealous uh, of this group called Ten City. Mm-hmm. I was jealous because they would play their records in the shelter all the time. And I'm like, dude, you never played my records. I only had one record. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I could sound like that guy. I could sound like that guy. So I wrote South Street Player for Ten City. Wow. So I took it to the label, like, hey, I got the song for Tin City. It's great. You're going to love it. And they were like, nope, this sucks. <laughs> and I was like, and I felt so bad. I kind of walked all the way from 57th Street to 21st Street, just feeling sorry for myself, going, all right, I'm done. Like, I'm done. So where I lived was I lived right here. Mm-hmm. I lived right next door to Death Mix, Frankie Knuckles and Dave Morales' office. Mm-hmm. And across the street was Strictly Rhythm, right there. And across the street from them was Todd Terry's office. What? So I can go downstairs and just see people like, hey. So um, I took the record up to Strictly Rhythm, not wanting to show it to him, but just to kind of hang out and be in my feelings with my friend George Morell. I said, yo, I did this record for Ten City, man. They said it sucked. He goes, let me hear it. And I played it for him. He goes, stay right there. So he goes upstairs, get a standard agreement. <laughs> and he's like, here's a check for two grand. I was like, two grand? Yeah, I can get some sneakers. And I just kind of signed it. And- that's his history. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I didn't that, put my name on that record. I, South Street player. Yeah. But after that, I started using my name. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in, yeah. in 2000, you mentioned it a few times. I Get Deep comes. All right. It's time to check out this house classic. It's called I Get Deep by Roland Clark and DJ Leroy. The one, the one that say they know what is what, but they don't know what is what. They just strut. What the fuck? What? I get deep, I get deep, I get deep, I get deep, I get deeper into this thing and I pretend that they're not there. I just stare 
up in the booth at the dread man spinning the song spinning it strong playing things like when can our house begin that's my shit what Woo. i get deep i get deep i get deeper i get deeper when people start to disappear and it's about six o'clock i'm feeling hot take off my sweater and my pants and I start to dance and all the sweat just goes down my face And I pretend that there's nobody there but me in this place I get deep, yo, I get deep What? Woo! I get deep, I get deep, I get deep, I get deep When he takes all the bass out the song and all you hear is cries And it's like, oh, shit <sighs> I get deep I get deep, I get deep, I get deep, I get deep And the rhythm flows through my blood like alcohol And I get drunk and I'm falling all over the place But I catch myself right on time Right in line with the beat And it's so sweet, 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 sweet I get deep I get deep I get deep Why if house music was air then Dr. Love would be my song And I would only take deep breaths And fill my lungs with the rhythm, with the bass I get deep I get deep track that's still played today and in some variations obviously um but it's i guess it was pretty much todd terry's fault todd terry's I remember fault. i was it's his fault because he asked me to um sing on his track of uh, uh mark the wall something feeling good in my soul mm-hmm. right he did. I, dude i don't want to sing anymore like that shit it just ugh i just didn't want to do it he said well just talk on it Mm-hmm. He said, can you imitate a preacher? I was like, yeah, I can imitate a preacher. Mm-hmm. I did an imitation of a preacher. And he put it at the beginning of the song. And he was like, just talk. Anytime you don't want to sing, just talk. I was like, all right, cool. But between that record and I Get Deep, the guy that I just, you just saw, Calvin Gaines. Yeah. His whole family is super talented. Mm-hmm. He has a brother named Reggie Gaines. And Reggie wrote a play called Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk later mm. on in life. I don't even heard of bringing the noise, bringing the funk. Oh. Anyway, Reggie is a spoken word artist and I would listen to him. I'm like, yo, how do you write that stuff? He goes, you just write your, your, your truth and just say it. Yeah. I said, all right, cool. So when I Get Deep came along, um, I just wrote my truth. Like my experience at, at the shelter after not being there for a minute. And I was like, wait a minute. This is, this is not the same club I remember. And I described how I felt when I would go there. And that's, that's how the record came along. But yeah, Todd was the first one to tell me, don't sing, just talk. Said, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. His fault. Yeah. That's, that's actually unbelievable. Sometimes, sometimes your yeah, friends got to push you to do what you don't want to do and it ends up putting you in the right position. He didn't care. He just wanted it, me to be on the track. <laughs> Hella high water. Because I was easy. I was across the street. Right. Had my own studio. <laughs> he was like, just do something. Like, we were friends. So it wasn't like, I, I'm not going to say no. I was like, you're my friend. What was this? 
where's like he's one of the only people I don't charge money for anything, no matter what. Like, I'm I mean, just like, yeah, I'll just do it. Todd and in, in, in house record. Where is he from in New York again? Is he from uh, Brooklyn? Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. He's in Atlanta now, but I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, you moved out of New York, really? Yeah, it's nice how I'm in Atlanta. He moved to Atlanta when I was moving out of Atlanta. Mm. So, the, like within three months, you moving in. I left. He goes, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Well, what do you know? <laughs> so, what what's it like for you though today, Roland? I mean, to have you, have you like just been in a random show and somebody plays that without you being there, or has there been any moments where you're like, "I can't believe that person's playing that," or I mean, what's it like? Because it's it's a foundation of house. Well, recently, my interactions recently are were unimaginable. Like Armin Van Buren. Mm-hmm. that to me was unimaginable like yeah. to get a whatsapp call directly i'm like who the fuck is three one seven? i said oh, let me answer it million numbers yeah. said, hello and he's like hey it's armin van buren and i was like okay like <laughs> go on and the fact that he knew like i still don't it still doesn't register that people know because i'm a studio rat like i stay in the basement i don't party so when somebody that big goes, hey, I love what you did on this and this and this and this. And I'm like, you know that record? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot. Like, I put out records and you guys played them. So, yeah, it took me like a couple of days to put this record together. And we, we did it. It sounded great. It's amazing. You know? Yeah, you, you deserve that recognition, Roland. I know you're clearly a humble guy, but you do. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not good on accolades. Like, it's weird. It's <sighs> <sighs> I don't like it. All right. It's cool from, from women. Yeah. Like, oh, I look like great. <laughs> Male DJs going, oh, I really love you. I'm like, could you step back a couple of feet, buddy? Can you say that a little lower? Can you lower your voice when you say that? Like, come on. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I appreciate those guys. But yeah, for sure. I'd rather have more women going, I love you. Right. That's hilarious. Hilarious. So yeah. speaking of Armin Van Buren, um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, some of your uh, label releases over the years. I mean, you've released on so many labels. I think you've released a total of 160 tracks, something like that. Might even be more. I think it's more than that. I think it's got to be more than that, way more than that. 200 plus. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess if you put on credits, like produced, remixed, wrote, yeah. lot. I, I use a Samuel L. L. Jackson um, method. Mm. Um, at one point, Samuel L. Jackson was the highest paid actor in the world. And nope, I'm not the highest paid actor. He had made the most money doing movies. Right. And they were like, how do you do that? Because I never turned down the role. Mm. He said, if your movie sucks, they'll just be like, yo, that movie sucks. But that guy, Samuel L. Jackson, was great. Right. So that's how I approached music. I was like, hey, man, because I have to eat. I have, that's how I eat on my music. I, yeah. I try not to go get a job. The minute I do that, it's like, ugh. But um, if you give me a track, and the track is decent, mm-hmm. I'll put my thing on there. Now, mm-hmm. if your track doesn't work, and my thing is hot, like, it wasn't me, buddy. It was you. Like, because yeah. <laughs> they like, yeah. So, so many tracks came out. Right. That probably just didn't work. So it just adds on. But all you need is one to work. One a year, tops. Yeah. 
and I always got I always got lucky with that one a year, you know. But yeah, yeah my whole thing is like it's not a. I would do volume, but my quality would have to be good on that record. So mm-hmm. I don't just take any old track. The track has to kind of speak to me. Yeah. And um, I've been lucky over the years working with guys who do great work. You know, Dean Mikulski, um, Francis Mercer. Those guys, they do great work. Those yeah, shout guys. out to Deeper Records. I've interviewed Francis. He's a great yeah. guy. I played a party with them. They're, they're special people out there in New York. Yeah, I was trying not to like them, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, was, oh, I was trying not to like you guys man but, but yeah i like those guys i clip it and send it to him uh it's 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 funny you brought that up i was gonna ask you about deep root but i got i gotta start with defected you know a label that i feel like has made a pretty big impact and you had a track a long time ago powers at beavers rolling clark planet rock um instant classic and it, it's gone on to be remixed by a ton of people including claptone all right, let's check this one out together. This one's called Planet Rock by Roland Clark versus Powers at B on Defected Records. On my planet, bass was my day and kick was my night. With manic interludes and percussion was my four seasons. On my planet, I can see constellations of children dancing. On my planet, house is a religion and the DJ is my god. On my planet, there is peace. On my planet, there is love. On my planet, there are no wars or rumor of wars. On my planet, there are no drugs or politicians. This is my world, 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 world. This is my planet, 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 and my planet rocks, 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 one is is like that's just fucking dope like the whole track is dope like the instrumental my planet rocks 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 on my planet there is space yeah yes on my planet there is love my planet yeah, rocks that is kind of dope now that i think about it come on baby um, yeah you got a two yeah, on, on that my one planet cause... there is base on my planet there is love on my yeah sometimes i have to go back and listen to stuff and goes oh shit i did that i'm unlocking memories tonight rolling that's what yeah I do. dude that's you can see my brain going, wow, I did that. I'm, I know, I'm yeah, getting I think it. This is what Kong I do. opened this show with it for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, BBC Radio 1. Yep. Yeah, it was good. My, my experience with Defected was, it was good at one point, yeah. <laughs> at one point? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, at you, one point. There was a long overlap because you did uh, I'm Inspired, House Nation. You did 20, in 2020, The Power with David Penn, which someone who's also been in the game for a long time, too. I well, mean, The Power is basically resist. I did a record called Resist. Yeah. And it was basically took Resist and changed the title of it. So that's mm. pretty much what that is. So it was already a hit before the David Penn 
not to say his track isn't great. He did a great job with his track, but the record, the vocal itself was already known, you know? Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, the fact that they, they do good, they do good work. They're probably they do good work. I'll, I'll, I'll end it there. <laughs> I wanna, Mo- moving I, on, I moving just, on. I can easily just, <laughs> they do uh, good work. I got you, boss. So, um, Something, something also you brought up top Terry in-house records, longtime friend, mm-hmm. you've released countless records on his label. Uh, and again, he's been such a massive influence on house music. There's a million tracks we could talk about, but one track I want to talk about is T's church. And this one came oh. out in 2015. And I feel like this mm-hmm. sound was pretty new age. All right, let's check this one out together. This one's called T's church by Todd Terry and Roland Clark by in-house records. Is the religion and the DJ is my deacon, but the music is my God. Let me know you hear me speaking. like you know someone who's saying like it's it's old meets new school like it's a modern take on house music in my in my opinion well that vocal came about see this is how todd is people don't understand who todd really is Mm -hmm. so there's an app on my phone called voice record this app right here yeah he knew i had the app the app records aif and wave files okay we're in the car in the visa and he goes yo listen to this track and he plays the track for me on, on it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Can you do a vocal for that? I was like, yeah, yeah, when I get home. He goes, no, 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 like now. <laughs> While I'm driving on the phone, that's how I cut the vocals. Through my phone. Sent him their WAV file. He did his magic. That was that. You freestyle it? Just on my phone. That's how that track came about. I heard the track. So I had the key. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It's not rocket yeah, science, is it? Todd makes things very simple, very easy. That's why I like him. He's my boy, man. He's like, ah, oh, you don't need a studio. You got a phone. He's like, oh, shit. Like, you're right. That was it. You feel like, I mean, I, I've come across a lot of producers and worked with them, heard about them, really overcomplicate the process. It seems like yeah, you and Todd specifically just like, dude, let's just make the music, clean it up, put it out. And I hardly do, like, if I'm at his house, we don't, it's not music. We're not, like, we don't talk music. We just talk about everything else but, you know what I mean? Like, we're just regular guys, regular friends. We're not, like, music friends. We just happen to be doing music all the time. Right. But not together. Right. So I can be in one room. Like, I'm going there next week. I could be in one room recording something, and he could be in a whole other room recording something. Mm. And it's just... That's how it is. We don't. I don't go in his room. We go. Hey, that's great. 
He don't need to hear that from me. He's like, <laughs> fucking tired. Like, get the fuck. <laughs> Just like I don't need to hear from him. Like, right. hey, I like that. I'm like, I don't care whether you do or not. I was like, you know. Yeah, I, I like to have friends like that, where it's just even, like, you know, and that's true. I got a friend like that and my friend, Aunt LaRock. You know, Aunt LaRock is like one of those guys, I can call him up, we can talk for an hour mm. and never bring up music. Let's just joke with each other. And that's it. Yeah. You know? I love that. So I like guys like that. Yeah. You need yeah. friends in your life, not music friends. You need friends. You know? Write that down, people. That's how I feel, yeah. Ron. I feel like my closest friends in music, we don't talk about music. It's kind of funny. Yeah, like what? You already know. It's like working at a Dunkin' Donuts. Why do you want to go home and talk about donuts? Like, hey, remember <laughs> how you glazed that donut, buddy? Like, yeah, man. Like, how did you, like, what did you do? Did you, like, we both work at Dunkin' Donuts. I don't want to come home and yeah. talk about donuts. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I like how you did that coconut cream, man. How you just, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. That's pretty damn fair, is it? <laughs> it's true. Makes sense. Makes sense. Rolling out of out of all the tracks, you know, you've released at top of mind. Is there one that means the most to you, regardless <clears throat> of success? Oh man, I'm glad you said regardless of success because this was not successful. Yeah. Um, this is all called Sunshine, and I think Ron Trent did a remix for it, but I like my original better. Mm. And it's about um the guy's girlfriend who passed away mm-hmm. and he would like purposely walk down her street and he would just stare at her sister in the window because she kind of looked like her mm-hmm. and you know sunshine it's really sad and it's really sad and i sang it in my falsetto so yeah sunshine sometimes i miss my sunshine yeah i gotta re-sing that yeah that's that i like that one best that's beautiful yep I love it. Yeah. I love that, man. Great answer. And I, every time shit. I ask that, it's never <laughs> the most successful. Anything on the charts. It's, it's every time I ask that question, I've been doing this for five years now, Roland, which mm-hmm. obviously is, you know, not as long as you've been doing it, man. But every time I ask that question, every time, if it's a true producer, they never answer their most successful. Because like you said, you never know what the fuck's going to work. You never know it's going to work. You know, you never know. It's true. Like, the vintage culture thing over the summer to me that was just like okay you know whatever and then boom i was like wait a minute wait a minute so dude yeah not to say that wasn't a great track that was a great track yeah it wasn't the best track i ever heard in my life right it was a great track right it just the stars lined up you know yeah I mean, we, we've been talking about the early days here mostly over the past five to seven years or so, you know, you've had these massive collaborations free with fancy fucks, vintage culture. All right, let's check out this massive track. This one's called Free by Vintage Culture, Fancy Inc., and Roland Clark off Catch and Release. Imagine taking a breath without wondering if it soon will be your last. Imagine kissing the one you love once again without fear. Well, that day is now. Finally, we are back. Back in the place where we used to congregate Where all around us we see familiar faces Creating new memories to replace the ones we lost With people from all over the world Where words not be spoken Love is a universal language now Finally we are free Free to roam Free to touch Free to move Free to dance Free to rejoice 
Bay with Duke Dumont. You mentioned that a little bit earlier. Oh, that's my boy. I love Duke. Duke is cool. Amazing. Sunset 303 with Fatboy Slim. That one's old, obviously. We talked about that. Um, most recently, Alive with Jack Back, a.k.a. David, David Guetta and Fancy Inc. Mm-hmm. again. I mean, these tracks, it's, it's really cool for me as someone who, like, does have a deep appreciation where house music came from and, and innovators mm-hmm. like you and you know, we, we've mentioned them all. And now to see that cyclical process come back around and see somebody like David Guetta release under a moniker that's house, somebody oh, like dude. Vintage Culture who does Brazilian bass, you know, collaborate yeah. with you. What what does that feel like for you? I mean, do you do you appreciate that? Is it exciting or is it kind of like... It, it's, it's exciting when, I, when it's one-on-one. Like, so last week I'm on Instagram mm-hmm. and David Guetta followed me. I was like, ah, it's probably like, somebody that works for him you know yeah yeah yeah. but no it was him wow and i went i just went thanks you know he he said something to me i said i was like oh shit this is really him <laughs> i was like i'm talking to david together like yeah this is just unreal so like i said the same thing with army van buren and with duke dumont our first conversation was me just tweeting him going hey thanks for sampling my record i katie perry that's a big deal mm-hmm I'd like to call you one day. Let's talk about it. He goes, mm-hmm. give me your number now. And we talked for like an hour on the phone. Damn. Like, it was like, it was surreal. So, um, Idris Elba was another person who I met. And that was weird because that's every girl's dream. Idris Elba. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> so when he told me he, he was a fan of mine, yeah, I was like, please, can you say that again? But say it into the phone so I can show my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So. Yeah. I actually get awesome. girls like that. I go, hey, I got Idris Elba's phone number, but look, you can't get it. Look, look, look. look. <laughs> I bet Idris would approve. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, though. It, yeah. It, but yeah, when I found out he liked my music, I was like, wow, like it, that's very surreal when somebody in a whole other world likes your shit. Yeah. So. Truly. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I'm a studio rat, so I'm not wanted to go out and look for attention. I'm just kind of like, you know, if I get a new plug-in, that made my week. Like, oh, <laughs> I got this new plug-in, man, you know. <laughs> and chicks don't like to talk about plug-ins, so that, that's not, no. you know. No, they don't. No. They you, don't. Yeah, you already know. <laughs> ah, <yeah. laughs> Maybe I need to tell my fiance about plugins because like you said, I got to get it all right now. I'll be like, I got to tell you my favorite plugins. <laughs> hey, hey, babe, you heard about you heard about the new Waves plugin? Like, what? <laughs> What about our anniversary? Yeah, I had to spend the money on the plugin. So yeah, I'm bad. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's true. So we talked about a, a bunch of different labels tonight, but there's one we haven't talked about yet. Delete Records, your oh, label, right? That crap. I just basically started that label because I hated people that scheduled records. Mm-hmm. It was like I was like, oh, let's do this record. All right, we're thinking about January. It's like, why not next week? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's the same record. It's just coming out. There's, there's no scientific method that says people have more money in their pocket to mm-hmm. download your music in January. Yep. Um, so it's just a, method, a way for me to just to kind of just throw out stuff. Yeah. One thing about the label I hate, I never got into promoting the label. I could care less about promoting the label. I didn't go. I just got a logo like recently. You know, I'm just kind of like, it was just a way for me to put out something that I wanted out. I like that you though. Know? I I think I only had, and it, it was, it's not even a successful label. I'll tell you that right now. It's just a label. It was like, uh, it's all Rolling Clark like, tracks. <laughs> it's just like, here. <laughs> yeah, it was just a way for me to put out my 
music when I wanted it out. Um, hopefully one day something on the label will go number one. Let's see. We'll see. But yes, yeah, it's, it's just a, uh, an end to a means. That's all. Yeah. No, I love that. Nothing special. I think a lot of producers struggle with that these days, Roland, is like, one, the frustration of not getting responses from label two, they feel the dependency of having to release on labels to grow three, the frustration, mm-hmm. like you said. And I'm just like, yeah. going to say, dude, fucking just drop that shit, put it out there. Cause mm-hmm. when you make music, you get feedback. It sounds differently. You're going to make a better track. You're going to continue to get better and better and better. And what, well now without the investment of two or $3,000 a month to a PR person, yeah. a PR company or a marketing company, you're pretty much just throwing it out with the luck of the draw. Like, yeah, I always go, damn, these guys are everywhere. They're in all these magazines. And, and eventually I was like, oh, shit, they just paid for it. You know, that's all you did. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean your record is better. You just pay for it. <laughs> you know, um, so I, I'll get into my label one day. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll try to invest in it one day and see if it works or not. Yeah. You know, I feel you. Let's see what happens. Roland, you said you're, uh, I mean, you said you're a, a lab rat, so to speak. <laughs> you're like oh, studio got, rat, yeah. A studio rat, yeah. What is it? I mean, you, you're a great DJ, though. What is actual, like, Roland Clark set like? I am a great DJ. You are? I realized that recently. I was like, I'm a great DJ. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you I really, just I realized I am. I really think I'm a fucking great DJ because I start off way different than I am. Like, I'll start off house, depending on the club, too. Sure. And normally, I go from house to tech house, from tech house to something just unusually tech house. And right at the end of the night, I'm breaking it down. Like, my last set, my last record was Prince, um, Little Red Corvette, and thank God it's the BPM works. And right after, like, a straight-up, like, tech house record, I have... I don't know whether it's an accident or a great gift to mix records that have fucking nothing to do with each other. Yeah. And it just works because, because of the, the way I kind of, it's like a journey. It's not like tech house, tech house, tech house, tech house. It's not like that. It's more like a wave. Like yep. you never know what's going to come Yep. halfway. When my set is halfway over, that's when the fun starts. Mm-hmm. Like after I give you what you came for, I go, Okay, you guys are okay now, right? Everybody's drunk. You having a good time? All right, girl, pitch out. Great. <laughs> Call me later. <laughs> Just come here. Three-fourths of the way into my set, I get to play what the fuck I want. Yeah. And that's when the fun starts. And that's when the people go, oh, shit, baby DJ. He's giving us who he is. And mm-hmm. I think all DJs should do that. You should just don't play. You have to play for the crowd. But by the end of the night, they're not going to go, damn, man, you know, 75% of that set was great, but the last 25 minutes sucked. So I hate the whole set. They can't do that. They're happy 75% of the time. Yep. That last 25% is all yours. Yep. And somebody's in the crowd is going to love it. They're going to go, oh, shit. And plus, I think the crowd wants a little change near the end of the night. It kind of tells them the night is winding down. You yeah, know what I mean? totally. And that's it. Yeah, but I love my last 25% of the set because I just go, okay, fuck all you guys. I'm mm-hmm. good. You good? You... All right, I'm going to play what I want. You get on the mic? Hmm? You get on the mic? Yeah. Depends. If it's a big club, I, I use a mic. Um, 
I'll find a track. Don't have to be mine, and I'll just do like something over it that they might know, like a spoken word thing. I'll resist or I get deep or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, and they kind of like the interaction of, oh, like that's the DJ that did that vocal, and blah 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 blah. You know, not a lot of DJs do that. Ultra Detail does it. Robert Owen does it. Ron Carroll does it. Sure, yeah, Ron Carroll, Velvet, obviously, yeah. does it. Yeah, I like Ron. Hung out with Ron in Australia. He's a nice guy. That's why I was like, I can't believe Ron hasn't brought you out here for something, man. Well, he's already out there. You, you got you got a Roland Clark out there. His name is Ron Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just the Midwest version of me. <laughs> you know, he, he is he an absolute mean, legend here, too. Yeah, Ron is good people. I like Ron. Yeah, he's a good guy, man. He's, he's very nice. I just, I played, right, actually, that festival where I shared that video of Free, he played right after me and uh hung out with him after that show and gonna have him on the podcast soon too there's a great club here where he has a residency at and um yeah. he still holds it down here man hard my most memorable moment with ron was in australia we were staying outside our hotel door mm. and we're not used to people walking up to us being nice that's weird to be two black guys big black guys <laughs> so this woman and her friend walked up to us while we we're in front of our hotel three o'clock in the morning goes Hi guys, what are you doing now? Like, where are you going now? We were like, we looked at each other like, are we being punked? <laughs> He's like, well, we're about to go to our rooms. Like, what's up? Oh, we thought you guys might want to hang out. They literally just wanted to hang out. Wow. But by American standards, we think we're getting picked up. Right. We're at the hookers or something. They were like, no, you guys just like fun. We just kind of want to hang out. And I was like, oh, you just really, that's it? I was like, oh. All right, I'm going to bed now. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, nice. I was like, Ron, I, I'm not used to nice. What is that? Yeah. I'm not used to white women walking up to us smiling. Like, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> Especially girls like that. Yeah. Girls, they'd have some ulterior motive, right? Yeah. These women, they just kind of just thought we looked nice and wanted to hang out. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> I guess that's a thing. <laughs> I'm going to ask Ron oh, yeah. about the next time I see him. Oh, right in front of our hotel. I'm a Scorpio. So first thing I was thinking, like, well, my room number is. And, you know. <laughs> but no, nah, she was like, no, just wanted to hang out. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. <laughs> That's awesome. Great know. story. I'm going to share that with him. <laughs> yeah, it's my boy. Uh, Roland, I found this really interesting quote from you from a long time ago, and it, it kind of relates to the past, present, and future house music. You said because of the internet downloading process and people sharing files, music is not so much a business, but more of a delivery system. But what do you mean yeah. by that exactly? It's a delivery system. Um, at the end of the day, if somebody doesn't have your track, mm -hmm. they don't hear your track. Right. So if I get a bucket and I put a whole bunch of downloads in the bucket, mm -hmm. if your download is not in my bucket and I'm listening to all the songs in the bucket, I, I won't hear yours. Right. So if the more people you deliver it to, the more chances you have for people to hear it. Mm -hmm. You know, it has nothing to do with, I mean, eventually it has something to do with the artist, but at some point you have to get it to the people first. You got to get it to the outlets in order for them to even hear it, to, to even entertain you. Yeah. You have to know, they have to have it. It's easier you than know? it used to be when you try to get, when when Armand Van Elden gave you a cassette, right? Like how did you, how do you promote it? You got to play it at the clubs. I remember the days where you had to go to the club with the record and go, can you play my record? <laughs> I, 
I think we should be more personal about this thing now. Like, I do things, I don't send mass emails out. Like, if I got a track that I want somebody to play and I have your email address, I'm going to see your personal, that's just, it hurts. When somebody, yeah. when I see my, send me something and it got a, a little like general thing like, hey, I got a new record coming out, blah, 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 and you're in the BCC. If you're in the BCC, yeah. it wasn't meant for you. Yep. I, I'll send an email out like, hey, what's up, name, yeah, the person. Yep. Yeah, and you're the only one I sent it to in that particular email. But don't send me an email where you sent it to the same 50 people. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I feel like you, I don't know. I don't like that. So, I agree. And I know that people have to put their records out. It's a form of promotion. I get promotion. But if you know me, know me, come on. Send me a regular email, not a big mass email thing. That's all. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, it's how you deliver it, right? Yeah. It's how you deliver it. That's all. I'd rather go to, if you're in New York and I go to a club, I'd rather put stuff on a USB, like Dennis Ferrer. I'm going to see these guys on the 19th, him and Vintage Culture, or Lucas. <laughs> I can't call him Vintage Culture for some reason. Like, your name is Lucas. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, you actually call him that? Like, it's, okay, anyway. <laughs> I'll carry a USB with me. Yeah. And go, hey, Dennis, here's a couple of things. Check it out. Yeah. Put it in your hand. I don't want to go, hey, give me your email address. Because Right. Who's going to, yeah, like you've got a physical USB in your hand. I think that means more than an email. Right. You know? And that's it. I agree. Yeah. I, I hope that's not an art lost on people these days. I mean, we do live in a much more digital world, obviously, but there is, yeah, there is something special about, playing your friends tracks other people's tracks that's how you, i mean it's how you get discovered too is like that actual personal relationship i think a lot of people yeah. send these blanket emails to a bunch of labels or a bunch of djs right and then they get let down or they get pissed like why don't these people respond to me it's like dude first off it's not about blowing up now it's about mm -hmm. developing friendships along the way you know exactly what I mean? i'll give you a story about this girl um i don't know if you ever heard of her, her name is elena pablo i think i have techno dj yeah. Beautiful Russian girl. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, we're in Ibiza. Me, Alexander Technique, and Todd Terry. Nice. We're eating at a table, and she's eating by herself. And I'm like, I got to talk to her. I got to try. Mm -hmm. Beautiful Russian girl. I said, I see you eating by yourself. You want to come eat with us? She goes, no, thank you. And I was like, you sure? And I'm trying to use Todd's notoriety to get the number. I was like, well, I'm with Todd Terry. And she's like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so she was nice. So I said, hey, look, um, we, he's playing at this particular club tonight. If you want to get him the guest list, here's the information. To the, here's my phone number. So I think she kind of Googled me. Right. She goes, calls me up and goes, oh, I would love to come to the club. I put her in the guest list. And she goes, well, you know, I'm a DJ too. I'm like, of course you are. I go, <laughs> You're like, here we go. Another, yeah. So at the time I had a radio show at Pioneer DJ Radio called um, I'm with the DJ. Mm -hmm. And it was live every Monday. Like I had to go to the station in Ibiza and be there. Wow. Well, I didn't want to do it this Monday. I said, hey, look, you're a DJ, right? I got a show for you to do Monday in Ibiza. You have to be at the station. Mm -hmm. Boom. She did the show. And this unknown DJ girl took that link for the show and just put it out there bro and between that and her looks and she actually can dj 
Yeah. She actually does tracks. She does. She did a remix one for Oliver Van Helden, a track I did called This Is Techno. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's her, Elena Pablo. Wow. I think a year later, I'm looking at Instagram. This girl's got like 30,000 followers. Like, Yo, what the fuck? <laughs> like, just, and I'm looking at the pictures she's playing at these places with her names and lights. I was like, Yo, you're bigger than me. Like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> and when I saw her, she goes, Oh, it's all oh, thank you like, for the opportunity. But like that one little spark, that personable connection, and me needing, me being lazy that Monday, like, I don't want to do the show. Right. Just set her up. Like, period. She was the one that introduced me to vintage culture. No shit. She introduced me to Lucas online. Yep. So it came full circle. There you go. Yeah. Yep. That is so good. Deed does does do great things. Yeah. Elena Pablo. Shout out to Elena. That's you gotta see her, dude. You... <laughs> <laughs> You I'm going to look her up right after this. Yes. Don't get married and then follow her. Follow her, <laughs> then get married. Trust me. Okay. Matter of fact, show your, show your fiance, like, hey, honey, this is DJ Rowan told me about. Show her. Like, yeah, this is, yeah, her name's Elena Papa. <laughs> yeah, her, she was good. Now you got an excuse to go to her page. Like, oh. Yeah. All right, Rowan. There yeah. you go. <laughs> He's like, you're going to get me in trouble. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's real talk, though, for, for, like on, on on a serious level like i see so many people you know gain a little bit of success they plateau then they quit but like the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is like just got to keep going and who you're rolling with during that time whether or not they're blowing up or going down like just, just stay true to why mm-hmm. you did it in the first place the love of music and oh dude you- i quit at least twice a month i wake yeah, up right? and go, i'm done yep i'm done yep like yeah i quit all the time, all the time. I don't think about quitting today. I'm like, fuck. Like, I can get a hot dog stand and put it on Venice Beach, and I can yeah, there you go. My hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I didn't think about it. Hot dog like, stand. Like, what the fuck am I doing? DIY, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm still here. That's all I care about. I'm like, look, right, I'm here. I'm here for a reason. So. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see I was going to ask out. if you had a simple piece of advice to an up-and-coming producer right now with all your experience, the highs and the lows, what would it be? Oh, Jesus. I know. Today's advice? Yeah. Invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't depend on someone to support you if, unless you're supporting yourself. Mm-hmm. So that means instead of taking a trip somewhere or hanging out with your boys or buying drinks, whatever, yeah. take that money and use it in PR, promotion, um, photography, whatever you got to do to promote yourself, put the money into it and invest yourself because no one else is going to invest in you unless they see you're doing it for yourself. Yep. Whether you're good or bad, at least you'll be seen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's true. Invest in yourself. Because there's going to be a lot of moments where it's just you who is your only fan. That's it. And dude, like I said, every once or twice a month, I go, I'm done. Yep, I'm done. But yeah, I think about the future recently. I'm like, all right, I still got to buy a house. Yeah. Got to find somewhere to die. <laughs> in the <battle> hospital. 
I want to get a dog or something. I want to I want I want to come home from the airport one day and have somebody waiting for me. That's like, hey, I'm happy to see you, and it's probably going to be a dog. It's not going to be a girl. <laughs> it's more likely to be like, I saw you on Instagram with that bitch, and it's like, oh fuck. <laughs> I gotta explain that girl to you. Like, yeah. that's my boy's girl. But why was she all over you? And it's like, oh, oh god. My dog would never say that. Dog, nope. Dog's excited my to dog see. Dog would you. just lick my hand. <laughs> I open the door. He takes a shit. We're good. Yeah, I'm getting the dog. Dude. All right, I'm there done. we go. We 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 accomplished something today. Yep. If he says it's between me and the, if my girl goes, it's between me and the dog. Oh, she's out. I'm like, you're gone. Mm-hmm. You're out. <laughs> you're, you're gone. What are you talking about? The dog Simple stays. As that. Simple as that, people. Yeah. I can pay for you. I can buy another you. Yeah. There you go. My dog is loyal. Dogs are the shit. People, dogs are underrated, dude. Dogs would just be look at you and go, you know, I love you, man. Every time they see you. Dude, I love dogs, come too. Back and go, Did I tell you I loved you today? And you're like, <laughs> no. Tell me again. Like, ah, your girl comes in, she might go, hi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. The dog loves you every time they see you. Yep. Their whole life is you. Exactly. Yeah, your girl will leave you for her because her friend said something like, uh, he doesn't make enough money. Like, you should leave him. Like, you're right. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing, man. As you can see, I, I'm not in a good way with women right now. I'm like, I hate all fucking women. Arr! Hey. Watch next week. I'll be like, I'm in love. You're telling it like it is. Wow, dude. Ugh. Anyway. Unapologetic right. Roland Clark, baby. What, what, um, you got any more music coming out this year? Uh, I did this thing the other day called Happy New Year that Amada picked up, which is kind of weird because. It's called Happy New Year, so it can only be out for New Year. I hope <laughs> so. They're adamant, they're adamant about putting this out a week before New Year's Eve. Okay. So I'm like, okay. Um, I did a vocal version of Telemunka, which is called the remix, which is kind of dope. It's called Be the Sun. Yes. Um, I'm actually recording something now for Hugo and what's the name of these guys? And I looked at them, I'm like, well, you guys chart well. I'm trying to remember their names right now. I feel bad because I shouldn't remember their names. Hugo, DJ Hugo. DJ Hugo? Yeah, I met them through um, Tiesto's camp. Mm. Let me see. Yeah, I'll, yeah, Hugo, H-U-G-E-L. Oh, Hugo. I got three or four things. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they big? I don't know. I think it's like one they're guy. Charting. Yeah. I think they're charting. He sells um, records. He's good. I started working on it, and then I came home to finish it, and I got that chest cold, and I was like, I just emailed him, like, dude, I can't finish it until I get rid of this stuff in my chest. Yeah, man. So, hopefully you understand. That's good, though. But yeah, that's it. Uh, get physical with picked up uh, another thing with me Vintage culture called um, We're All Legends Wow um, I'm working with this girl called Honey Love who's incredible you know Honey Love just... she's awesome Taylor that's my girl like she was here like a couple weeks ago I love Honey Love she's great yeah, her track Taylor. free so good we see here our track 
Forget all the stuff you heard from her. This yeah. About it. She flew out to be here to record it. She lived yeah. in LA? Chandler lives in LA. Mm-hmm. She came out to Maryland because her parents are from Virginia. So she, yeah, she stayed here. Oh, that's awesome. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of met her on Instagram mm-hmm. as a, yo, what's up, girl? I kind of slipped into her DMs and we just started talking on the phone. She's like my Netflix buddy, basically. Yeah. We talk almost every night and she yeah. goes, yeah, like, hey, what are you watching? I'm like, watching this. And she'll, she'll watch it too. Like, if I tell her to watch something, she watches something. She tells you to yeah. watch something, I watch it. I love that. That's, that's been going on for six months. So She's I guess great. she built up every, yeah, for six months. Mm-hmm. Had no idea she was a DJ at all. No, I just thought she was some chick that took nice, cool pictures. And, and it, yeah, it all kind of came together. And, she's blowing um, up. She's she's under some good management too. She's, she's yeah. Doing really Rob well. Weitzman. She actually Rob. So when I met Rob, I was like, I want to do a track for her. And um, she came out. She flew out. She stayed for a couple of days. The track came out incredible. They love the track. Um, yeah, she be we should finish. Well, it should be signed by now. Yeah, she signed her contract with uh, what is it Insomniac. She's she's done signing. So yeah, oh. yeah Taylor. Yeah, she's a genuine person. Like I like people like her because she actually does the work. She's not like a pretty face. Right. She stays home and she's taking classes on Ableton. Mm-hmm. Aunt LaRock is teaching her stuff about audio. And she's actually, she's a sponge. She wants to learn. She's not like, I'm pretty and I can do things. That's not her. Yeah. She puts in the work. You know, I love that about her. She puts in the work. Shout out, honey, love. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't call. I can't call people by their DJ names for some reason. If I know your real name, same. Like I call Fat Boy Slim Norman. Like, <laughs> what do I look like calling you Fat Boy Slim? Like, hey, Fat Boy Slim. Like, oh, yeah. I feel yeah. the exact same way. Yeah, yeah. like, hey, Norman, Taylor, <laughs> Lucas. Like, ugh. Yeah. Not, you know, anyway. Yeah. I, yeah, I got to know your real name. Fuck that. Well. I'm, I'm, my real name is Matt Sherman, but everybody calls me Sherman, so we'll call it that. <coughs> Sherman, like Jerm, I remember that, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Whatever works for you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jerm the Sherm, Sherm the Jerm. You got teased in high school, right? Hey, Sherm the Jerm. No. Just don't say Sherm the Worm, bro. I, I don't, that one doesn't sit well. Oh, you put it in my head now. Fuck. Fuck. I think it's time to eat because my stomach's rumbling. I was just about to say, man, we're good. Thank you so much, Roland. Truly a pleasure. You're the man. Absolute legend. Have a good night. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. Feel better. I'll talk to you soon.